0: Hello and welcome to Life in the Rabbit Hole, the Kineo Parent Pod. I'm Lori Carice, a fellow parent living in the Kineo Valley and your host. Thank you for tuning in for Parent Pod Tales, Community Matters, and Social Topics, which include plenty of wellness content. Parenting is not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's as difficult as much as it's rewarding, and we've all heard from the beginning of this journey, it takes a village. So join us as we connect through Life in the Rabbit Hole. For everyone, everywhere. This episode is brought to you by Logic's Federal Credit Union. Seems like you can't change the channel these days without another celebrity pitching you a credit card, mortgage company, or big bank. We don't have any celebrities talking about us, but we do have stars, thousands of them, from our fans on Yelp, Google, and Facebook. And we didn't have to pay them millions of dollars we just had to provide better rates and terrific service over and over and over again so while celebrities think you should try one more mega bank we encourage you to listen to the stars that matter they're just a search away logics smarter banking logics smarter banking is a registered trademark of logics federal credit union federally insured by ncua logics is an equal housing lender nmls id 503781 logics membership required Welcome to another episode of Life in the Rabbit Hole. Today I have with me a returning guest, Jennifer Lee, who's a respiratory therapist in Los Angeles. Jennifer has been at USC Medical Center for nine years now and has been working at LA County Medical Center since July, treating COVID patients. I asked Jennifer if she joined me for a follow up episode because California is now seen as the epicenter of COVID cases in the United States. And she's also contracted COVID-19 herself. It's about 9 p.m. and Jennifer just got home from a long shift at the hospital, likely very tired. So it's with extreme gratitude that she's joined me for another recording session. I'm also grateful for her dedication to patients as she continues to fight this war on the front lines. Thank you again, Jennifer, for joining me today. You're welcome. So dive right in. Work is insane. I've been
1: a respiratory therapist for like 30 years. I haven't practiced the entire time, but probably a good 20 of it. And I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I mean, this isn't even safe. (laughs) It's beyond anything I could even imagine. And I feel like where I am right now is organized chaos. Like the things that you see on TV you know, in New York and everything. I don't feel like it's even like that scary. I hear the ER is pretty insane. And I've been lucky because I I don't get put in the ER. But I hear the ER is pretty insane with all the tents outside of the hospital and things like that. But um, the amount of people coming into the hospital is beyond anything that I could even imagine. The first rotation of COVID patients that we had gotten was pretty intense because it was new it was scary it was unknown and it was just a total you know learning as we were doing everything this time we're better at managing the care understanding what to expect but the numbers are so vast that it's even beyond comprehension that anybody could even think that this was not even real. We still have people, you know, my friends. We talk about the fact that people we know that aren't in the medical field call us and ask us, "Is it really that bad?" As if they don't believe, and it's really that bad. It's insanely scary out there.
0: Well, you realize that I think a lot of us who are not in a medical field, we're just in these like blind bubbles. You know, I mean, I've got my four walls. I feel very tired and fatigued, mostly from just just being home all the time. So I can understand if people, you know, if they're not listening or wanting to understand how they can possibly feel like it's not real if they don't know someone like you or they don't get out because, you know, the normal person, yeah, we're we're in a strange bubble ourselves. And, you know, we share... Commonalities in other ways of different problems, whether it's school or losing a job, losing a business. Can we go out? I can't even keep track of like what the restrictions are today, indoor, outdoor dining. I, you know, is there a curfew? I can't figure out what's going on. I spoke with you back in August and it was only actually my second podcast episode. A lot's happened back then. And actually back in August, you, had only treated like a handful of COVID cases, or actually none at Keck at the at that point, and a minimum at LA County Medical Center. And I know since then that's changed considerably. Let's put something into perspective. Today is January second, mm-hmm. and the figures for yesterday, January first, first day of twenty twenty one. Which everybody is so excited to put 2020 behind us, but the reality is it's just Saturday instead of Friday instead of Thursday. You know, that this is just a rotation that's never going to end. I mean, 2021, I think offers a lot of hope, but still a lot of uncertainty. It's being reported that one person dies every 10 minutes of COVID-19 in LA County as of today or This week, I believe they've been reporting that for at least a week. Number of cases reported for January 1st, 2021 are 37,957. Number of deaths are 271. That's LA County. Ventura County, which I'm reporting because this is, the podcast covers a lot of the Kineo families, as of the first was 40,854, which is actually higher than L.A. County, and the number of deaths is 263, rounding up just right about where L.A. County is. So when everybody focuses on L.A., it's actually not just L.A. Ventura County, just a hop over. I'm actually in Ventura County by only about two blocks, but our numbers are even higher, and I'm pretty sure our hospitals are a lot smaller and fewer than what's available in Los Angeles. So tell me what those numbers mean to you. Do you keep track?
1: I actually try to avoid the news in general. I think it's very depressing to watch all that stuff. I mean, when it comes to knowing what my restrictions are in terms of curfews and, you know, dining, I I've actually only eaten out like probably a couple times. Outdoor seating, obviously, but one of them ended up being a or i think it was a friday it was after work and at one point there were so many people out on the street that i like i had to walk away cuz it kind of freaked me out cuz there were so many people and they were all wearing masks cuz we were all in a you know kind of a waiting area waiting for our tables and the restaurants were very safe you know they made us all stand a certain distance away we had to get temperature screened before we could go in but I feel like, especially because I was one of those asymptomatic COVID positive people, you just don't know who's got it. And the really scary thing about it is those numbers are insane, but it's really hard as a human being to just, you hear a number and you just know what that means or how that impacts you or how that feels. So numbers are just numbers unless you're, you know, somebody personally that got sick. And I actually know tons and tons of people that have gotten sick on a personal level, not even just a hospital on a personal level. I know so many people, entire families getting sick now. And I know people that have died from it. The only reason why I even got tested was because I've been working six days a week, 12 and a half hour days since July. And I am exhausted. My body hurts, everything aches. So on that one day off, my body knows it's time to rest. And so I literally, my whole entire body hurt so badly that I, um, happened to be on a day off and the hospital called me and said, you've had exposure. Do you have any symptoms? And I was like, no, I have body aches, but that's just natural because I'm tired. And they said, well, a lot of people are testing positive. Go ahead and get tested because you have these body aches, which obviously a lot of people who have COVID have. And so the next morning I woke up feeling great because I slept and i got tested and i um had to wait till the next day and i found out that i was covid positive which another thing that was so scary is that they actually called me after they kind of backtraced when this patient was in our hospital and everybody who had taken care of this patient to this point which means my exposure was 2 weeks before i got tested meaning we don't get tested for 5 to 7 days I've been walking around COVID positive for over a week. So imagine how many people I could have infected. Now, I never leave my house unless I'm going shopping like groceries or whatever. And I always wear a mask. I hand sanitize or wash my hands all the time. So I wasn't in fear that I passed it on that way. But I was scared that the people that I eat lunch with at the hospital could have gotten it so we had all the all the people that I typically eat with it's very limited the number was very limited but we had those people get tested and thankfully none of them tested positive but i was still walking around with it for over a week when you actually have it or when you know people that have it those numbers these insane numbers mean more they hit home more and they they give you more of an appreciation of what that what that could mean but i honestly don't think that anybody hearing generic numbers 20,000 a day 20 whatever the numbers may be i don't think anybody can truly comprehend what that means unless they happen to be in a hospital where there's just people laying around everywhere to truly feel what this is like so what you know how you're saying you live in your apartment all day long it's like you don't leave the house it's really hard to comprehend how insanely scary it is out there um i think one of the other problems with what's happening right now and why covid has hit so more aggressively this round is because I do believe that a great majority wanted to stay home and be good and, and quarantine themselves and not, you know, not get the virus. But then after a few months, they got tired of being home. They got anxious and they were like, I've been good. I I need to get out. And then the holidays hit and everybody's like, Oh, I trust my family. You can't trust anybody. COVID doesn't care. COVID virus will get you no matter what. It doesn't matter where you are. If you've never been out and it was your first day out in nine months, if you're in the wrong place and you're with somebody who has it, the chances of you getting it are too great. So I think that because we've had so much time for people to stay in, now everybody's going out. They're meeting up with family. They're seeing people that that they haven't seen in so long. And that's why it is as bad as it is right now. I mean, it's scary. It's really scary. It's nothing that I've ever even imagined. I My workload is three times what it normally is. And I feel horrible because I feel like I can't give people the proper care. So what I've been doing is actually documenting the bare minimum and doing everything that I could. But that also puts me at risk far more than I would have because even one of the nurses commented. She said, you're the only respiratory therapist I know that goes into these rooms as much as we do. I'm in there all the time because I don't know how else to care for my patients but to be there for them. So that's what I do. And I just wear masks and stuff like that, you know?
0: I think you told me before, though, that you contracted COVID 19 actually from a non COVID patient. Isn't that correct? Well, no,
1: she got admitted as a non COVID patient. So, any patient that gets admitted to our hospital, if you're having surgery, you have to get tested two days prior. But if you get admitted from an outside hospital, not only have you been tested out in the outside hospital, but you've now, be, you get tested as soon as you get admitted to our hospital. On admission, that patient was COVID negative, but she had a family member and there's two of them that took out a bunch of us, but they had family visiting every day. Now, the limit visitations were limited. It's only one person for a couple of hours per day, but both cases, those visitors were positive and we didn't know it. They passed it on to the patients and there the patient's passed it on to us. So just because you tested positive on admission, oh by the way there's no more visitation in the hospitals anymore <laughs> because they cut it out again. And it's that's horrible, but it, it's what had to be done because people are bringing it in to the hospitals to the patients without knowing that they have it. And that's how I ended up getting that's why my call was so late in the you know in the game. I I didn't get the call that this patient was positive until weeks later because we didn't know she was positive because she was a negative initially turned positive during her stay. So she didn't get it from us. She got it from somebody else, but we got it from the patient.
0: What do you feel that you learned about the disease by actually having the disease?
1: Not a whole lot, unfortunately, because I actually was literally asymptomatic. I, you know, I had aches because I laid around a lot. <laughs> I, I got a lot of sleep, much needed sleep, but I didn't take any medication. I didn't have a cough. I didn't have any difficulty breathing. The one thing that I would probably say is that I feel like the aftermath, because a bunch of my friends are sick, and um, one of them actually got admitted in the hospital. And I feel like with COVID, you have it, and there's a handful of drugs that they try. But you basically chase the virus. If you end up with a pneumonia, then you give medication for the pneumonia. If you can't breathe, we give oxygen. We put you on a ventilator to help allow you to breathe. Better. And we basically chase it until we can get to the point where you either become strong enough to breathe on your own or the disease takes over and your lungs become so fibrotic that you can't breathe and you pass away from it. So as long, much as we know about it, I still feel like we're still behind the Like I just feel like we're still not really able to stop it. The stopping of the transfer has, has to happen before it gets to the hospital. By the time I get it, it's too late. so me having it unfortunately, I have lingering like effects, you know, like you know when I have um a little bit of like difficulty breathing, like not where I'm having trouble breathing, but if I take a deep breath or I exert myself, it takes a little bit more out of me than I would have before. but I truly am fortunate that I did not really get sick from having it, so I don't know what to tell you about that I just I see it more just from having working with it. Um, I still can't imagine how scary it is to have to lay on your belly all day long or not being able to breathe or any of these things that other people are going through because I was lucky enough not to have to go through those things.
0: Does this delay the vaccination process for you now that you you tested positive December 9th? Yes. So, I mean, you have to wait so much time. But it, also when I spoke with you, I know that you weren't sure when you'd get the vaccine, if you'd even want the first round of vaccines. So do you feel differently about that? And when are you eligible? So I thought
1: about it, I think because it had gotten so bad, um, I had decided I was going to get the first round. I would have already gotten it. I was actually one week shy of getting the vaccine before I got COVID. The day that the vaccine was available to us, it was available to all of us in the hospital. And you just had to make an appointment to get it. I am not eligible to get the vaccine for 90 days from the day that I tested positive. So I'm still a couple months away and I will get the vaccine. Knowing that I didn't have any severe reactions to the, you know, getting COVID, I'm not scared about getting the vaccine. It's supposed to be 94 to 95% effective. So my fear of any side effects or, you know, reactions, I'm not worried about any of that stuff anymore. So I will get it. I think actually everybody should get it because it's better to get a little bit sick, you know, body aches, a headache, whatever it is, something little than to get the actual virus, which would be far worse, potentially far worse.
0: I agree. I'm, I'm going to jump in when it's my turn. And I mean, I actually wish I could hand off my chance to give to my children because I'd rather them be able to go to school and I can continue to work from home rather than, me get it and them waiting, but I realize there's a process and they're even still, I think just start testing for children. So it's not even safe to consider, but you know, I'm kind of realizing my kids are not likely going back to school at all in 2021. You know, when talking about new years again, you know, happy new year, everybody says, you know, and me, I kind of had like a private moment in the kitchen with my own little, uh, you know, toast and I kissed off 2020 with some private obscenities. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm trying to look brighter into 2021. And while I don't feel there's going to be a whole lot of change really with COVID, I think there's hope. What I personally want is just less drama, you know, so much drama this year. And, you know, even like what you were saying, how some people don't believe it. How do you feel when you hear about? And you don't watch the news, so I'm not even sure if you know, but I'm sure you hear. There's a lot of restaurants, even like right up the street from me, that have parking lot parties, and they're defying uh, regulations, and they call themselves the rebels. And I believe they're not only doing outdoor dining, but indoor dining, and It's turning into bringing in a lot of non-neighbors to the area just because they've all of a sudden kind of grouped together. And it's really pissing off my community where others are like, Hey, good for them. Good for them standing up. And I get so mad because then I think of you, you know, I get so mad because everybody's making sacrifices. And I, I hear these restaurants, you know, they get all this recognition, which I understand brick and mortar, a lot of rent, a lot of staff, a lot of investment, and they can't open. I also have a small business. I would love the opportunity to open responsibly and show you how I can do so. But we just have to wait. So when people are not waiting, and they're defying our regulations, how does that make you feel?
1: So this isn't going to be very PC. <laughs> I, think That's okay. I think they're a bunch of idiots and I think they're so extremely selfish. I um, empathize and sympathize for these people. I had a business that I was working with you, obviously, and I don't ever do much with it. But stop being so selfish that you're worried about yourself more than you're worried about every other person and you're community and all the people, I mean, just everybody else. It's like, I I just don't understand how you could not want to protect all the other people around you. And I'm sorry, but what they need, true reality is they need to get COVID and they need to get sick. I don't want anybody to die. And I personally do not want to be the one taking care of them. But until they get it, they will not understand how scary this virus is, how quickly it spreads, how unsafe what they're doing is. Because it's different. If you own a store and you want to open and you have a handful of people in there and they come in and out and they're wearing masks and you hand they hand sanitize, I don't even have a problem with that. But when you eat, you take your mask off and everybody is breathing the air. I don't know if you've ever seen, I saw some sort of article that talked about the air conditioning units that blow the air. So when one person takes their mask off, that AC unit blows it around the entire room, which means if one person has COVID, the likelihood that everybody could be infected by it is too great a scenario. And actually a possibility that these people should actually be thinking about hey, how do I protect myself? How do I protect the people that I love from getting this? Instead of how do, I make my, how do I make money? I get everybody needs to survive. I understand that. And I am forever grateful that I have two jobs, but I'm tired. I, and I know this isn't going away anytime soon. So I just wish people would stop being so selfish. I truly wish that just a couple of them got sick and that they could see what it truly means. And then they go, I, but I, I also feel like those are the same people that once they got it, they'd be one the same people that would run around and just not tell people they got it. And just, they'd be infecting a bunch of other people because I just, I feel like those people just are too selfish and they don't care.
0: I think they're very selfish and rather than even wishing them to get sick, I think they need to spend their time at food banks and hand out food to people who are crying and don't have food and are losing their livelihood and volunteer at the hospital or talk to people like you sit in on a virtual meeting with the school district to see how destroyed the school system is and hear my children cry, makes me cry. My little one, you know, all she wants for her birthday is to see her friends and her birthday's in three weeks. And it's not likely I'm gonna be able to pull that off, you know. I mean, I've I've come up with a couple of ideas of, you know, park activities, but the reality is I don't think anybody's gonna feel comfortable. It's gonna be another Zoom birthday. And these people sitting in the parking lots and kind of holding their own little protest, riot, rally, whatever they want to call it. It's all over my neighborhood up. They're self-proclaimed rebels. They get in the news. They have GoFundMe accounts. I get it. We all want to be in business. I, I feel like my business is going to be so hard to recover, so hard to recover. But I'm healthy, and my kids are healthy, and I focus on that. I focus on what I can control, which is really nothing right now. But I can't dwell on the unknown. And the people out there that are going to these restaurants and being defiant, it it's not helping. It's prolonging this, yes. And now we've got new strains, and the vaccinations are not coming out as quickly as expected or being administered as expected. They said that this right. It'll be a couple of years instead of a few months. I'm, I'm hoping to see change come soon with that. But, you know, I, I don't know how we can't get on the same page. We all have social media. We all have media in front of us and access to the news that we should use our common sense, be educated and stop saying, well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, they're so mad at the government or even just the state of California and Newsom. And it's like, you know, be mad, but don't get everybody else sick. It's not your right to bring home the disease to me. When all I did was maybe go to the grocery store in compliance with the mask keeping my distance. I mean, I've had to like shout at people at <laughs> the market before to kind of back up, you know. I'm I'm not like a very pleasant person to be around anymore. I'm you know, I mean, I'm reinventing myself and uh but I feel very detached. You know, when when I said I'm I'm also in my own bubble and I I'm sure I could speak for a lot of people You know, what's in my home is the only thing that I know right now, besides, you know, occasionally my mother coming over, and I'm very careful to pace any activity that I do in bringing my mom around because she's way more vulnerable being 69. So she actually quarantined before she came over for Christmas. Otherwise, I told her, I, you know, we're probably not going to have a gathering. So she was fully okay with that and because she did a quarantine and we had a wonderful Christmas. It was two night sleepover for her. You know, we got the most of it. But yes, I mean I wish people would just pay attention to public service whether it's announcements or representatives, first responders, anybody. I mean you guys are so busy. So, for you to share your story, you know, here with me right now, I'm grateful, and I hope people do listen. What did your holidays look like? I mean, I know it sounds like Christmas, you were home. Well, no, actually, I wasn't home at all. I actually, um,
1: I was quarantined for ten days prior to Christmas. I worked ten of eleven days after that because I, you know, I had to work. My Christmas, I spent 16 and a half hours in the hospital. My decorations was one candle and a sticker on my badge. There's no point in decorating because I wasn't home. I've been working every day. So I work New Year's at County. So I was there all day yesterday. I was there today. I have another four, five days before I have a day off. So yeah, I, (laughs) I just work. I literally go home. And on my one day off, I usually have so many errands. Because then I have to stop at the post office or I have to go buy food or I have to do my laundry and, and things that just don't get done. Because by the time I get home, I'm really, really, really beat. I'm, I'm older now too, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. But when I get home, I most of the time so I will eat, but sometimes I'm just too tired and I fall asleep on the couch, roll over, go to the bed, <laughs> and get up and do it all over again. When I'm at work, I usually get, uh, depending on where I work, I literally get a lunch break. And I don't stop the whole rest of the time. I work the entire 12 and a half hours, minus my lunch.
0: Do you have anybody to lean on as far as a support system, talking to your family? I know that you have a live-in boyfriend normally. Last we spoke in August, I know that you were living apart. He was afraid that he was going to catch COVID. You were sure you were going to catch it since you actually had it. And you, did you feel immune enough to at least have a date night or not really going out or anything, but did you get to see each other? No, my
1: boyfriend lives in Washington state. So he's nowhere near me. We FaceTime as much as we can. He's been very disciplined about working because he's doing a lot of online things and he's writing. So when he has time, we talk. I, obviously, we talked on Christmas. I got home. I actually didn't leave the hospital until like quarter of 11 PM. So on my drive home is when I called him and he and I had our Christmas then. But I mean, if I ever needed anything, I, he, you know, he's there for me. No matter how busy he gets, if he knows I, I need something, he's there. I have my family, my little sister and her family, my brother, my little nephews call sometimes play games. So I get to see them. I talk to my mom every day. I've been talking to my mom every day for years now since my dad got sick, but I talked to her every day. And when I had COVID, she called me twice a day (laughs) to make sure. And for her, she needed to see my face to make sure that I was okay. And that gave her comfort because even though it's not like, You know, tomorrow I'm just going to all of a sudden get sick. She has to physically see my face to know that I'm okay. And then that just, you know, that makes her feel better. And um, so, and I have my sister, my older sister lives at home with my mom. So, um, and her daughter. So I, you know, talk to them whenever I can, but I also have all the hospital staff from both sides, County and Keck. We all are going through the same struggles. We're all frustrated. We all have people we want to smack around a little. <laughs> so, we we all vent to each other because we are all going through similar things. They may have families that are, you know, that they're living with and things like that, but we're all going through very similar struggles in terms of just being just exhausted from working and being frustrated that people aren't doing simple things like wearing a mask, you know, when they go out. So I do actually have a lot of people. And my quarantine is so different from yours because I get out of the house seven days a week because six of them I'm working. So I'm always around people, you know, talking to patients, talking to whoever.
0: I don't know that I envy you, though. You you go to a war zone every day. I mean, my own war zone would be in my head. So. You know, I I discipline myself to not have those issues. My kids are probably a little bit better than I am going through this, like mentally, because you know it's up to a parent to carry the weight. They don't know how I really feel. I mean, I have a lot of sleepless nights, but I I realize that you're going to war. You really are, and I appreciate you so much. I hope that everybody appreciates what's happening in the hospitals and the tireless hours and everything you go through and that you probably feel numb to illness. There's probably some that are numb to death and I'm sure that hurts your heart. Are you able to separate that? You know, I I think that was actually
1: something that I had to learn even just being a respiratory therapist in general. I cry at commercials. So when COVID first started and people were dying all around and I would have to, you know, extubate somebody or I'd have to let people go and they would let like family stand outside the door. They couldn't go in obviously, but um, at that time they were kind of still letting some people come right before the, the their family passed. Um, I cried a lot. It's really hard on your heart to watch people pass. But over the years, I've learned that and most of them by the time our patients pass they're in a far better place because they're in so much pain and their quality of life would just not even be worth living. I've learned to accept it and be grateful that I could at least have some part in their in their healing or you know whatever the next stage in their life is. So Over the years, I have actually learned to a little bit better about accepting death as part of one of the, you know, one of the things that happens, but it's still extremely hard to see people pass without having people they love there. And it's still happening all the time right now. So, um, but I guess right now, the ones that pass, they they just, they are in a better place. I can't even imagine not being able to breathe and not being able to function and just living the kind of lives that these people would have. So, yeah, I think they're in a better place. I did today get to take the tube out of two of my patients' airways and they're both breathing on their own. So today was a very good day. It was a very
0: good day. I actually want to end on a positive note then. I I was going to ask you how you felt about the new strain and if you had fears about multiple, you know, in the unknown. And I, I'm assuming you trust the science and we just continue with the vaccines. And if adjustments have to be made, it's one day at a time. Yeah,
1: it really is. I'm hoping that I know the vaccines aren't coming out as fast as we want them to, but I'm hoping that maybe I might get to see my boyfriend sometime this summer. cuz yeah for the first time he and I've talked about when we get to see each other so he left in march soon it's going to be a year since i've seen my boyfriend so that kind of sucks but it is something that i'm actually thinking about not just helping my patients and doing what i need to do but i do see um a light at the end of the end of this horrific thing that we're going through not that I think it's tomorrow. I think the next three months are going to be as bad as it gets. But I do see the possibility of seeing my mom and my nephews and my sister and and all the people that I love that I miss so dearly. Because although I get to see all my friends and coworkers and things like that, the people that are I'm the closest to, I haven't seen in over a year. I do think that maybe sometime in 2021, I'm going to get to see them. So that's what I have to look forward to.
0: That's good. That is something to look forward to. And I hope you get to, at some point, also enjoy some well-deserved time off and start kind of fantasizing in your head what that's going to look like. Maybe it's, I I keep telling you, you deserve like a week-long spa retreat. (laughs) You and your boyfriend both, you know, (laughs) just like wrapped up in lavender for a week and... (laughs) have a calm experience and see your family and I'm going to let you go. I know you're exhausted. I'm sure that I heard your phone ping. So I'm sure Garrett wants to talk to you. Thank you again so much. I really hope that I don't have to have a part three with you (laughs) where if a part three segment maybe is full recovery and telling me about reunited with your family and your boyfriend. How about that?
1: That would be wonderful. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much, Jennifer. You're welcome. If you ever need anything, let me know. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. And please subscribe to our podcast so that you can be alerted each time we drop a new episode. For bonus content, be sure to join us as a member and receive Green Room Diaries, After the Final Cut, Confessions of a Canoe Valley Mom, as well as our exclusive wellness workshops. From One Parent to Another, We've got this. Just believe in yourself and remember we're our own worst critics. Tell yourself and another that they're doing a good job.